Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? Give high five to somebody and tell them good mo- good night, good night. <laughs> welcome home, welcome home. Uh, you're here in Formation Fridays and it is an incredible night to be at church. We call it Formation Fridays because we're not here for information but for transformation. We know that God is about to do something uh, in your life and in the uh, life of the person next to you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump right into the message and um, I'm very, very, very excited because I, uh, this is part two of uh, a message I shared years ago, years, I mean, I'm not talking about maybe five, six years ago, um, and I had heard uh, someone speak on the subject, uh, and it was Jensen Franklin, he talked about the DNA of a leader, and it really impacted my life so much, and it led me to make some decisions, some changes in my life, that up until today, they still have blessed, they are still blessing me, and I want you to think about this. Never underestimate the power of one moment. Never. I mean, in one moment, everything can change. Never underestimate the power of one moment. A lot of us think in terms of the future and what things are going to be like. And, and, you know, we're expecting some big, grandiose thing to happen in our lives. But in reality, our lives are a sum of a lot of small moments. Every decision you're making. I want to tell you one Decision I made in June 19, 2009, forever changed my life. That's the day I surrendered. That's the day I said, yes, I do. And that's the day that woman said, yes, I do. And that moment changed my life forever. But did you know that that moment began many moments before that? So that moment was the, the culmination of a lot, a lot more moments And so, so many times, you guys, we're expecting some big thing to happen. In reality, God is already doing the big thing. And if you're not catching on to those moments, you may just miss the greater things. Does that make sense? I don't know anyone in this this entire world who has strong character without making small, tough decisions. Small decisions that don't seem to matter, but they matter so much. For example, one of those small decisions is simply the time that you get up. Some people get really close to the time where they have to go to work. And some people give themselves 15 extra minutes to do what they have to do. Maybe some people do their devotionals and set their clocks a little sooner. And that moment when you decide to put your clock at that time, just set you off in the right course for the next day. But the moment you decide to put the clock so close to the time you have to leave, then that moment that you decided will change your next day and then your next week. You see, all the small moments that we have, and I'm going to ask you a question that may seem a little, uh, a little, uh, I don't know, uh, a little hard to answer, but it's actually super easy. Do you believe that God called you to be a leader? Good. Now, the person next to you perhaps didn't say anything at all, but I want to tell you that God called every one of you, every one of us, Every single one to be a leader. Now, a leader is not just a person with influence. Now, that may be the case uh, for some definitions. But God called you to be a leader of leaders, a leader developer. For example, if you are going to be a mom, you're already bound to be a leader. Like if at some point you're going to have children, you will have to be an amazing leader. If you're a man and one day you want to get married, you will have to learn to be an amazing leader. If you're a child of God, you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you carry salvation in your spirit. That demands leadership of you. Every single one of us in this place, whether we like it or not, we are called to be leaders. But did you know that some people reject it so much because they don't think they have what it takes? But let me tell you that every single leader has a DNA. Do you know what DNA is? Anybody know what, a, what DNA actually is? I don't. I just know the concept of it. Uh, I know that it has a, a, a certain... Um, what's the D for? Does anybody know? Wow. All right, all right, all right. Let me see. Well, what is it for? Deoxyribonucleic acid, right? 
and she's single. All right. So, the what? Deoxyribonucleic acid. Deoxyribonucleic acid. That sounds about right to me. I don't know what you guys. Does it sound good? Yeah? All right. Deoxyribonucleic acid. I, I, does anybody, did anybody else know the answer? Oh, yeah, right. Now that he got, oh, yeah, I knew it all along. I just didn't want to say it. Yeah, you did. But the D DNA, what it actually does, it's, it's a code. And it helps your entire body build itself. So your DNA is this, this, this incredible um, code that God gave you. And your DNA is different than everybody else's unless you have a twin. I think that's the same DNA, right? Is it? Or is it still different? Yeah, we don't know. Okay, good, good, good. Difference of opinions. But the DNA, what it does, it tells you who you will be. Uh, you know, it brings uh, different... I'm going to try to sound smart, but I'm not so that smart. So, um, you know, it tells everything you for building my self-esteem. It tells, you know, all the amino acids. It tells all, all that, like, for example, your bone structure, everything about your, your eye color, the color of your hair, the, the shape, you know, of your, of your face. All these things are determined by your DNA. Who you are, the way you look, is determined by your DNA. I understand that God designed you in a beautiful and incredible way. But there is a DNA for every leader. And that DNA is super important. You have the DNA of a leader. But you have to understand what does it mean and how do you get there? What does it mean to be a leader? A leader is someone, and I'm not talking about a leader in the world. I'm talking a leader in Christ. A leader is someone who doesn't wait for someone else to answer to the call of God, but answers and helps other people do the same. A leader is not someone who's waiting around for circumstances to change. They themselves become that change. The first thing about a true leader in Christ is that they have to have divine discontentment. And that is the letter D, divine discontentment. You have to understand that as long as you are happy or content with where you are, you will always be stuck there. Man, if you're, if you're okay with where you are, then that's fine because that's where you will always be. Sometimes we need divine discontentment. Sometimes we need something or someone to come and give us a kick in the butt and say, Hey, are you sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm totally fine. Yeah, are you sure? Because you don't look totally fine. Oh, oh, you know. Divine discontentment helps people get to the place where God wants you to be. And now there's a difference between being discontent, period, and divinely discontent. I'm not talking about being angry all the time and ah, whatever and just comparing yourself and, and thinking horrible of people or thinking horrible of yourself. Divine discontentment is something that comes from the heart of God and tells you you're not there yet. You can still go a little further. You can still go a little further. I want to read a verse to you. Part of the Bible is Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. Are you guys good? All right, cool, cool. Luke 5, 1 through 11. As a crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, that's, that's how it is at CFF, right? Woo! He was standing by, by the lake, uh, Gennesareth. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. Who's Simon, by the way? Good work. And asked him to put out a little from the land or to get away from the shore. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowd from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let, them let down your nets for a catch. This is awesome. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night long and cut nothing. But at your word, I let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That was amazing. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they took. And so were James and John 
Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. This is where we finish. Don't be afraid, Jesus told them. From now on, you'll be catching people, or you'll be a fisher of men. Then they brought the boats to land, let everything, left everything and followed him. The first thing that you see here is that there is this incredible need in the people to receive from God. But what I absolutely love is that Peter was divinely discontent. When he found himself in front of Jesus and who he, when he recognized that it was Christ, he dropped to his knees and he said, I am sorry, Lord, get away from me for I am a sinful man. So many times we appease our conscience instead of clearing it. Let me tell you, we appease our conscience instead of clearing it. Instead of saying, that's it, I'm done with this. I'm going to change this. This is the end of that sin. This is the end of that struggle. This is the last time this will happen. Instead, we just appease it and we cover it and we put a band-aid over it and we pretend it didn't happen. Are you divinely discontent with some things that need to change in your life? I don't know what needs to change. I know what needs to change in my life. The person that loves me most, I believe, that lives with me and loves me most, my wife, she knows what needs to change in my life. <laughs> Jared laughs because he's married, right? <laughs> I know what needs to change in my life, but some of you don't know what needs to change in my life. See, I don't know exactly what you need to change. All I know is that it cannot change. Unless you decide it needs to change. People are so concerned about changing the world, but they don't want to change themselves. Ain't that amazing? We want to change the world. Yeah, change the world. That's... But what about changing you? What about changing those habits that are destroying you? In, the, in this Bible verse that we just read, you saw Peter on his knees saying, God, depart from me because I am a sinful man. When was the last time you felt that way in the presence of God? Are we so entitled as to say, hey, What happened, God? Why don't you come through? Hey, where are you? I don't feel you. Instead of saying, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to change? What is there in me? King David said, search my heart, oh God, and test it or try it. See that there is no evil way in it. Girls, I want to speak to the women for just a tiny little, little bit. When you get married, your husband one day will blame you for being a nagging wife. Most of you. Most of you will probably hear that. And that is because many times husbands refuse to recognize that thing that needs to change. I know that because we give a lot of counseling to a lot of spouses. And I realize this, that if a man just changed that one thing that he's been nagged about, he wouldn't be nagged. <laughs> like if, and then you say, well, well, she'll nag about something else. We'll change that something else. Well, then she'll nag about something else. Well, then you just got three times better than you were before. And if you have something else that's being nagged on, then it's something else that's getting better. And I just don't want to give an excuse to every nagging wife out there. But what I am saying is this, is that many times we would rather put up with the pain, with the argument, with the, instead of just changing something. We want to be right, but we don't want to be righteous. Makes sense? We want, to, we want to stick to our guns instead of saying, hey, look, divine discontentment. God, show me what needs to change. I am not saying we should be discontent. With some beautiful things that God has given to us. But you should be discontent with that which draws you far away from God and your purpose. You're here today and maybe you're here even for the first time. If you're far from God, it's not his fault. And that's rough to hear, I know. But if you're far from God, it's not his fault. I don't, I care, but I don't care. <laughs> I care, but I don't care how many excuses we have as to say, This is why I don't follow God as much as I should. This is why I'm not as consistent. This is why, this is why. There's one good reason why we should draw near to God, and that is because He'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Divine discontentment, I believe wholeheartedly, is what the church most needs. And I mean the church around the world. If we were less at ease with where we were, and had a little more fire inside of us, and that which God has for us, So many things would change. The problem with a lot of teenagers, and I'm going to address the teenagers for just a second before, you know, you guys go back on Instagram. <laughs> the problem with a lot of teenagers, a lot of teenagers, is that they don't realize that this is the best moment of their lives to change forever. What you do right now as a teenager, man, will set you on the course. Man, Pastor Caesar told me one time, he said that, 
If a rocket is misaligned in the beginning, the more it grows, the further it goes from its original place or the course it should go. But if a rocket's properly aligned in the beginning, it's going to go straight and it's going to go far and it's going to go right. But even if it's just one degree in the beginning, it's where everything goes off. If you understood the importance of your times, how important it is to be right and righteous today, not tomorrow, not when you grow up, not when things change, not when people recognize you, not when you have a better job or are married or kids. It's right now when you make those great decisions, those tiny, small decisions that nobody seems to see or care about. Those are the decisions that will make you. I remember times when instead of doing something that seemed pleasurable, I ended up doing something that God had asked me to do. And those are the things that changed my life the most. Jensen Franklin spoke about having the gift of goodbye. The gift of goodbye. Being able to say bye-bye to some things in your life that should not be there. How many of you guys would love to have the gift of goodbye? Right? The gift of goodbye. It is a gift and it's not easy. But to be able to say, no, I don't want this anymore in my life. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, of course, that means something. It means that you're going to have to make changes in your life. No is the most anointed word in all of Christianity. No is the most anointed word in all of Christianity. No, I will not sleep with you. We're not married. No, of course not. I am not going to stay with you. We got cell group tonight. No, no, I know it's raining, but I'm not made out of sugar. Does that make sense? Like, no, uh, no, I, I will not sleep in. I'm going to do my devotional. Yes? Does that make sense? No, I will not get mad when somebody corrects me because I know they love me. No, I will not get distracted during Formation Fridays because fire will fall from heaven and burn me. <laughs> you know, no, I will not. No, that word no is so powerful. No, I will not get argumented for any stupid reason because I know my character has been built. That key word, no, is something that we need to learn and relearn and relearn. Because no means? Wow, see? Well, we need to learn it. No means? No. No means? No means doesn't mean not right now. Man, get that through your head. If a girl says no, I don't like you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keep trying, man. You conquer. You go for it. That one doesn't mean no. That one doesn't mean no. Especially if she's pretty. No, no. <laughs> but no needs to learn. We need to mean it. So the first thing is we need to be divinely discontent to the point of strong decisions. Divinely discontent. So I would like to ask you to do something special right now. A little something different. When we grow to thousands and thousands, we won't be able to do this. But right now we still can. It's a little bit more manageable. I want you guys to think of one thing that you are divinely discontent. And if you cannot think of one right at the top of your head, then this is the time where you would say, God, please help me. Help me to grow. Help me to change. Maybe you need to be divinely discontent with how passive you have become about your leadership. What area of your leadership are you divinely discontent with? Maybe it's time management. Maybe it's your character. Maybe it's the way you respond to issues or people. Maybe it's unfulfilled promises. Or maybe it's not being able to get things started. Or if you do get them started, you can't get them finished. You must be divinely discontent. If you don't have that divine discontentment in your spirit, in your heart, ask God and pray. Say, God, please help me. If you are divinely discontent with some things, here's the crazy thing about this. That if you do manage to be discontent enough, it'll be painful at first. It's hard to recognize sometimes what needs to change. It slaps you on the face or even saying it is kind of difficult because you feel like failure is upon you. But I want you to remember this. That failure is never a person. Failure is an event. You will never be a failure. As long as you say, hey, again and again and again. I will try it again. I will try it again. I believe that many times the enemy will shut your mouth from confessing transformation. Because he has found a way to see you fail. And yet you have found a way to believe him. And that you're a failure. And there is no person that is a failure. Never we may fail, but it doesn't make us failures. Did you know there's great success, great learning, great success even in our failures? So learn to be divine discontent. Yes, even about things that you've tried to change before. What if I said to you 
that this next time is that last time. And if you don't try again, then the enemy already won. Then there's the battle's over. So next, the DNA, we talked about the D, now the N is notice the need. Notice the need. What's the first one? Ah, divine discontentment. The second one? Notice the need. The Bible says that Jesus asked Peter to let him use his boat. And he told them to go and, and, and you know, push out to shore and to do all these things and to throw out the nets. But the first thing that Peter had to realize is that Jesus needed his boat. If you notice the need, God can use you. If you don't notice the need, he'll use somebody else. Let me repeat this. If you notice the need, then God can use you. If you don't notice the need, then he will find someone else. This got me thinking the other day about how many people, they have the answers in their hands and they will simply not give it. We're going to be going to Colombia. Raise your hand if you're going to Colombia, please. Whoa, snap. That's amazing. Okay, uh, give yourselves a round of applause, by the way. Holy moly. Some of you guys didn't even know what's going on in Colombia, but we go every year. Last year was like a bunch of us, and this year's going to be even more of us. And it's just incredible what happens down there, man. Your life will not be the same. In order for great miracles to happen, God uses people along the way. Um, for example, I know Louis shared some, some words with you. Uh, Louis, are you here? Can you just share what you shared with him really quick? Yeah, so... Um... I asked him, like, if he, was, if he was going to Colombia. He responded. He said he was. But then he was like, no, I'm not going to go because I'm, I'm going to lose my job. So I was like, dude, well, you know, in the beginning of the year, Nat and I were going to get married. And I told Pastor that we weren't going to be able to go to Colombia. And his response to me is the same response that I'm going to give to you. And it was, you know, just don't keep praying about it. Don't give up. And, you know, God always makes a way. And I told him the same thing. And. Wait. He's going. All right, so, and your cousin was you paid for the ticket, right? Uh, your boss, God gave you crazy for him. But I want you to realize is that God does miracles, amazing things, but he uses people that are available to be used. And the crazy thing is that sometimes these people don't even know the Lord. They're just available. Did you know that God can use anyone at any time? But why not you? Let me ask you that again. Why not you? The Bible says that he told Peter, Peter, now you will become a fisher of men. Here's what he told him. You will now become the answer to so many people's hells. You will become the answer to their hellish conditions, to their dread future, to their sadness, to their eternal condemnation. You will now catch them as they're falling down and you're going to lift them up. Peter, you'll become a fisher of men. I believe that God wants every single one of us in this place to become people that are aware of people's needs. A church is not a good church. A church is no church at all if it doesn't realize the needs of people. But the first thing about a leader, yes, we need to become divinely discontent. But the second thing about a leader, a true DNA of a true leader, is that we must notice the needs. You cannot be a leader according to the heart of God if you shut your eyes to the needs of people, what is the greatest need that there is around you? And if you are listening to that need, maybe it's because God wants you to do something about it. The best thing you can do is pray. The second best thing you can do is act. Do something about it. What are the needs of the people around you? What are the needs of your family? What are the needs of people in your job? We think that we have this bank account that's going to be emptied out. And I'm not even talking financially. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about words, effort, your skills, whatever you have. That God would use you to help people. So many times, you cannot win one single soul. Listen, you won't win one soul because you refuse to notice the needs. People that notice needs, God uses them in miraculous ways, incredible ways. Ways that you wouldn't even know. Did you know that God moves through the needs of people? Jesus Christ would see the need in people, would act according to those needs, and people would be drawn to him. But we for some reason think that God is the one who meets the needs, and of course he's the one who meets the needs, but he uses his hands. 
And let me tell you who his hands are. You are his hands. You are the hands of Christ. One person told me, hey, of course Thomas believed in God. He saw the pierced hands of Jesus. And I remember thinking, hey, we are the body of Christ. We have scars. Some of us here, man, some of you here have great scars that God alone could heal. And God alone has healed. You are the body of Christ. You are the hands of Christ. You are the hands of Jesus. Being able to reach out to bring healing. Even if you have been hurt, your hands are hands of healing. Listen, your life and my life are filled with resources. But we think very poor. A true leader doesn't think in limit. A true leader thinks in achievement. A true leader doesn't think in what he doesn't have. A true leader thinks of what he could have. A true leader doesn't think in terms of absence, but in intense of what could be. It's not, oh, well, I don't have that, but what if I could? And God somehow, someway finds a way to meet that need. Can I tell you this, that we wholeheartedly believe that every single one of you in here are soul winners. You're like, what's a soul winner? Somebody like Peter, the God has called to be fishers of men. Did you know that Peter was a fisherman? Listen to this. And he was sucking really bad at it. He had fished all night and he didn't catch anything. That's like you saying, I worked all night and I never got paid. I didn't get my paycheck. And God tells you, go work again. And you're like, nah, man, that boss is horrible. No, go work again. And somehow, someway, God does this miracle and your boss gives you like a $10,000 bonus. Let's just say $20,000 bonus. And, and maybe even more so because for this guy, Peter, that meant that he could feed his family. It meant that he could, man, maybe fix up his boat, put some spinners on it. You know, like, I don't know, like maybe that he can really not be the shame, you know, of the failed, you know, man in the family. But instead he could be a provider. Not only that, that he can, you know, help other people as well. But did you know that it says here that Peter left the nets, he left everything and followed Jesus. So Jesus gives him this huge blessing and he just leaves it all behind. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this guy? Maybe I'm thinking different or weird, but wouldn't you also be like, hold on, okay, let me sell this stuff real quick, put it in the bank, you know what I mean? And then just, you know, contribute to the cause. Or maybe just maybe, let me go give it to my friends, let me go give it to my family, let me go feed my kids. But Peter just says, thank you for the blessing, you're the greater blessing. Thank you for this fish. And then he says, but I'm going to leave it all behind. All the great catch you gave me because I see the need. The need is not always what's right here in front of you, although many times it is. But the need may be much, much greater than what you see. Listen, the need may be not just your need, but the needs of God. So Peter's need was of catching fish. He was a fisherman that wasn't catching. Maybe here you're single and um, you're not catching. And God's going to make you a fisher. <laughs> Just kidding. Like you're, you're, you think that your greatest need is this. You need a man. Or you need a woman. Or you need a job. Or you need a break. Or you need documents, man. Or you, know, or you need just someone to really encourage you. And maybe God, yes. Sees those needs, of course. But maybe there's a greater need. Maybe it's not the fish that God wants you to focus on. Does that make sense? You must be, if you are to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you have to realize that there's a greater need. And that you are the person to meet that need. Here's a crazy thing about this. That Peter, when he leaves all the fish behind, and he turns around and follows Jesus, he's not only leaving the fish behind, he's leaving his family behind. He's leaving everything behind that he knows he knew how to be a fisherman, even if it wasn't that good. But he didn't know what was coming with Jesus. Listen to this. The A stands for alienation. Alienation. That's a word that you're going to have to get used to if you're going to follow Christ. Alienation. And this is where I may lose some of you, especially if you're here to just please somebody. But if you're going to follow Christ, it's not always going to be easy. People won't always cheer for you. I know as a matter of fact, when I decided to follow Jesus, I lost half of my friends. And the other half... I lost them actually way before that. <laughs> I lost just about everybody, man. When I said, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. Why? Because I wasn't down anymore. Because I wasn't about what people were about. You see, I was trying to please God, not people. And that's always going to cause conflict in your family, 
with your friends. But a true leader in Christ has to be able to, to make the decision to be alienated for God. Alienation means separation. Alienation means you must learn the power of standing on your own two feet. There, all by your lonesome, being able to say, I don't care if nobody calls. I have been called. Let me repeat that to you. I don't care if nobody calls. I have already been called. Friday nights, Thursday nights, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, doesn't matter. I don't care if I'm not called. I've already been called. Let me repeat that to you so you get it in your spirit. I don't care if that person's not calling me because God has already called me. When God calls you, who cares who else is calling you? God is calling you. And if you answer to that call, your life will never, ever, ever be dull. It will never be boring. To say, God, I am standing with you, it means... Most of the time, you will be standing by yourself with the Lord. If a man is to lead the orchestra, he must turn his back to the crowd. If you are to ever, ever follow Christ, you will have to leave some things behind. If you're going to follow Christ and be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're going to have the DNA of a leader, you must be divinely discontent. You must have the ability to see the needs. And third, you must be able... To be okay by yourself. You know how hard it is for people to be by themselves? They feel awkward with themselves. They can't be on their own. They have to be connected to everybody all the time. Their phone dies. They're like... <coughs> Go to the movies on your own. What? Me? No. What if people think I'm like a loser or weird or by myself? You know, that's not... Man, I'm going to go pray. With who? With who? With God. No, no, I mean, who's going to go with you? The Holy Spirit? That's it? Have you been able to be by yourself and develop a relationship of intimacy with God? Let me give you a very good example. Is there any boyfriend and girlfriends in this place? One of you, please. All right, come on up here, you guys. Come on up here. Yay. I know, this is going to be so embarrassing, dude. Bree's like, seriously? <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, all right, we'll pick somebody else. You, you don't want to do it. Fine, fine, fine. This is the picture, okay? It's okay, it's okay. You guys can stay there. Okay, so this is the picture. This is the picture of Christianity, right? God, I love you. And who wants to be Jesus? You be Jesus. Okay, so yeah. you're like, hey, Jesus, I love you. And this is you all the time, okay? It's going to be kind of weird for you. But... <clears throat> And this is, this is what we do. And it's like, you're trying to, can you try to give her a kiss? God, just go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 never mind. No, it's got weird. Okay, but this is really how we do it. And God is like, I want you, I want to be on your, I want to have some time with you. And you're like, I know God, but we cannot be on our own with the Lord. It's like, we always need someone. What's up? What? It's been a long time. Wow, I love you. Uh, and so we always want to be with somebody around us. And God is like, I really want to be with you. But we cannot build. What if you always. No, let's break. But what if your mom said, you can go out with Noah. But your sister has to be with you all the time. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I love Irie. Uh, but not that much. I'm just saying. <laughs> like if all the time. Oh, no, right? But we, we do that all the time with God. We refuse to be, we refuse to be set apart. There's no way you guys can build intimacy that way. Oh, sure, you can build like a fun time and have a good time. But intimacy, the times that you fight, that builds intimacy at times. The times that you cry or the times that you apologize, you know what I'm saying? The times where you get to hug and kiss and hold hands, those are the times that you're also building intimacy. Am I making sense? What if she was on the other line every conversation you had to have? That would be really messed. You wouldn't want to do it anyway, right? right? But we do that all the time. We refuse to be alone with God. If you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you must be able to be alone with God. Are you okay with being half an hour with the Lord? That's a long time. No, it isn't. I'm okay with being three hours alone with my wife a whole lifetime. Then the freaking kids came along and screwed it all up. <laughs> like, it's okay to be alone. Listen, this is what happens though. Some people are not used to being with God by themselves. And the same thing happens as in a date. We give counseling to couples. And sometimes we tell couples, you need to start dating again. Like, go on date nights. And like, yeah, but we don't know how to behave. 
What do you mean? You like sleep with each other and but you don't know how to date. Like we don't even know what to talk about. Talk about church. That's all we talk about. But talk about something else. Like what? Trump? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like talk about something. But most of the time, think about it. Most of the time, if you're not used to having that relationship, it's awkward. You have awkward times with God and that's not a good sign. You should be able to be so comfortable and so fine with being alone with the Lord that if nobody else shows up, you're more than happy. I'm not playing. It's like, oh, great, we get to be alone. Woo! I'm glad the kids are not coming. Makes sense? I'm glad my sister's not coming, right? I'm so glad because I get to be alone with God. I felt so much pleasure. This one specific time, I'm going to tell you, where I felt God's call over my life. I felt it so strongly. Because the university where I was going to was supposed to be a Christian university. And not all my friends were Christian. And they were supposed to go somewhere where I knew I wasn't supposed to go. And the fact that I didn't go alienated me from those friends. Listen, things were never really the same after that. I missed out on some things that they did. But did you know, I was so glad. Because I could see myself being set apart, not from, but for. Man, let me repeat that to you. You feel like you're being set apart from things. What? It's for things. It's not from stuff. It's for the kingdom of God, for his purpose, for your incredible future with the Lord. But you must be able to be able to, to stand there and say, hey, even if it takes me being by myself, that's what I'll do. Maybe God is forming you in that place more than you will ever know. That aloneness is not a bad thing. That aloneness may be the best thing that could ever happen to you. I'm going to finish with this because, frankly, the time tells me I'm done. But the Bible says that you're a peculiar people. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were born. I set you apart. Do you know? I mean this. That you were formed by God before you were born. He set you apart. Let me put it like this as Georgie begins to help me out with that. This is going to sound really cheesy for some of you. But some of you know that I like welding. I started welding randomly. And I just, yeah, I know. I just started like burning metal together. And... Um, And it's really weird because I apply the concepts of the vision in everything that I do. I, at least I try to. And so I was welding all by myself. And I realized this, that this is the last part of the DNA of a leader. Listen. I could only go so far by myself. And so I looked at the absolute best welder I could find on, on uh, what's it called? Instagram. And I was like, yeah. And, and his name is a welding boss or something. I don't know, there's a bunch of followers. And he's got all these amazing pretty welds that look so special. And I was like, wow, you're the best welder ever. And so I reached out to him. I literally told him that like all my welds will be measured up to your welds from here on out. And you have become the standard of welding in my life. Literal words, I kid you not. And the guy responds to me. And I wish I could show you my phone. These huge long conversations. I don't do Instagram. You guys know that. I, I have a hard time. Not because I don't. I, I just don't have it in my, my chip. It's not included in my... Minimum system requirements. You know, it's like it's not there. But, but this, listen to this, okay. I'm here with this guy. And when he was laughing, we're laughing because I have a discipler in welding. He became my welding leader. And so I tell him, hey, can I send you pictures of my welds? And you criticize them and tell me what needs to change in my welds. Can you tell me what's wrong with me? Literally, li like I promise you, man, of course I'd love to help you out. He already told me like how to set the gas, how much PSI, what kind of gas and, you know, argon and ox oxygen, you know, like what's the good mix. Listen to this, okay. How deep, how much penetration the weld needs to have. What does it actually look like to have a good weld? But does it, is it structurally sound? Is it not just pretty? See, all these things that I wouldn't know, he's telling me. He told me something. Man, I weld with all these guys. Check this out. And they all, all at first would make fun of me, right? Because I would do all these weldings. He said, all this. I'd take a bag with me and just practice, come early, leave late, not get paid. Now, of course, you may think, dude, this is welding. 
But he said something really, really cool to me. Some people go to school for this. They get titles and degrees. But their welding still sucks. And they still come to me. And I'm self-taught. Still come to me. And I'm still a point of reference at my job. Now listen, okay. He works for a huge welding company. And I know that, that what he said is true. Because oh, everybody in the commenting is like, this guy is incredible. I tell you this because sometimes you and I, we looked at the wrong DNA of what a leader is. And we model that. And we wonder why our world is so jacked up. Like, man, why is my world so weak? Why is my world so horrible? Why is my life not looking right? Why is my life not holding up the way it should? Why does it look pretty but it's weak on the inside? Why is it that I'm having such a hard time sticking to things? Why is it that I'm having such a hard time changing? Why can't I just change? And the answer is simply this. Because no leader is ever formed in a vacuum. No leader is ever formed in a vacuum. No one, I don't care how cool, smart, amazing you think you are, you will never reach your potential by yourself. You must be able to be on your own, be able to be by yourself, but at some point or another, you're going to have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need help. I need help. And when you look to that help, don't look to anyone near you. Look to the one who you say, that life is modeled after Jesus Christ. Because that's what discipleship is about, isn't it? See, I learned this concept. And ask, ask Eoni, I'm already getting paid to weld. I don't have any degree, no license, nothing. I'm getting paid to weld for things that I do for just for fun. And it's pretty, pretty cool because that's going to be Columbia money for me. And so it's, or whatever Eoni wants to buy, makeup or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but I know <laughs> the weld is going to turn into like, Avon, he's an Avon bro, you got to get married. Anyway, so uh, that's why you're single. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, anyway, or that you too. That's why you're single too. I'm just kidding. No, no. Take it to a, take it a whole nother note. We'll have, we'll have to disciple you guys. We'll take it to a whole nother level next time. Okay, good, good. Like CVS. Yes, that's good sometimes. But okay, listen. That's not another problem. They got some good products. But anyway. <laughs> but you got to think about this, okay? In every area of my life, every area of your life, do you have someone who is discipling you, who's forming you? Well, you're humble enough to say, hey, can I, can you criticize my life? Can you please tell me? I mean, honestly, I am so discontent with where I am, divinely speaking. I'm not sad, mad, depressed. That's not what I'm talking. I'm just not where I need to be. And I want to get there. I notice there's a need out there that God wants me to fulfill. That goes beyond my own. Am I making sense? And I must get better. Would you please help me I can stand alone I can get away from all that so that I can get into this God can you please help me to find someone that will disciple me if you're here today and you have a leader who's able to help you confront you challenge you maybe they're not ideal maybe they're not perfect maybe you don't know them as well as you want to know them can I tell you this I wasn't gonna say it but I think I need to I don't even know this guy's name the welding guy and I'm not gonna call him boss <laughs> I call him bro now listen I may never meet him I may never get his name but he's blessing my life he doesn't know how he's blessing my life let me tell you this I don't know his habits I don't know what's wrong with this guy but you know what of course it's welding but I am picky he's awesome he's helping me get better my problem is this in church a lot of people want perfection from that person and they won't receive it until they're perfect. And it's like, are you serious? You won't be blessed because that person's not perfect. You won't receive because that person has an issue. Even that issue can help you out. Even that mistake can tell you, oh, I know what not to do now. Am I making sense? But a true leader is humble. A true leader is humble. So the DNA... DNH of a leader. You must learn, you and I learn to be humble, to be discipled. So I want you to stand up with me for a second, please. We hate to surrender. We are, if you're a man and you're in this place, you know what I'm talking about. You hate to surrender. No surrender. You hate to give up. Women, you would rather...
lose a friendship than lose an argument sometimes. You hate surrendering. But every single one of us in here must learn to surrender at some point. In jiu-jitsu, I told you guys about this. In jiu-jitsu, surrendering is a very good thing. You learn so much. Number one, you don't get your limbs broken or go to sleep. Number two, one of the things you absolutely learn is how to not get destroyed in that same way. Because the more you get destroyed that way, the more you learn how to defend it. Let me tell you this, in your own personal life, have you surrendered yet and said, God, I recognize my need. I'm divinely discontent. I recognize the need that goes beyond me. And I'm willing to stand alone if that's what it takes. Close your eyes for a second, please. I would like to pray for anyone here that recognizes that they have flowed downstream too long. And they found themselves far from the source. You have gone with the flow for such a long time. The waters you're swimming in is so polluted already. I invite you to now, right here, right now, decide to say to God, God, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry. For a long time, I blamed people. I blamed myself. I blamed everybody. But today, Lord, no more blaming. I just recognize that I need you. And I ask you, God, to help me to see what you see in the world, to drive towards where you're driving. God, help me, Lord, please, to be able to have that standalone faith when I need it. And God, help me to be humble, to receive what I need to receive. Dear God, I pray right now, today, Holy Spirit, that the people in this place would be built up in you, that the true leaders of leaders, disciple makers who make disciples. God, I pray right now that anyone here that realizes that they've been called by God, that they realize what for, and that is to win souls and to make disciples. Dear God, I thank you because this church here, this beautiful ministry, CFF, is not a ministry of just feelings and feeling good and feeling better, but doing the Great Commission. And I pray now that you help us to be built up as leaders of leaders. That you help us, God, to be able to stand on our own sometimes if it means. God put something in my heart right now and that is some of you here, you're fighting with your family. They don't understand your commitment to God. And I want to tell you this. They're waiting, they're waiting to see if you would fold, if you'll give up. And I want to tell you, be a light, be strong, stand, be an ambassador for Christ. If you do give up, if you do tap out, then you will confirm their fears. And that is that God is not powerful enough to change. And I want to tell you this, that if you do stand strong, if you have the standalone faith, then shortly after, those that, great, that have a great need for him will realize where to find him. And that is the same place that you have found him. They'll find him in you. They'll find him in your spirit, in your heart. A lot of young people in this place that the enemy tells you you're going to miss out on so many things if you follow Christ. And I want to tell you, it's true. A hundred percent. But you also gain some greater things, more amazing things that you could ever, ever have. Man, the Bible says that things that eye has not heard, eye has not seen, ears have not heard. Those are the things that have come up into the heart of God. God has things for you people around you that will love you, will care for you, encourage you, that you will do the same for them. Your children will bless the name of God the day that you chose Him. I want to tell you this, that today's the day to say to God, if I need to be alone with you, I will be alone. I'm sorry, God, if I've surrounded you with a crowd always. I'm not telling you not to go to cell group or church. I'm telling you, find times alone with God. Don't claim to know him only when people are around. That is insulting to any relationship. Dear God, I pray right now, if somebody here has not been spending time alone with you, God, would you bring, please, conviction, forgiveness with it as well. God, may the unsettled accounts be settled tonight. Forgive. A new relationship begins with some of you here and God. It's called intimacy. Build it today. Build it. Build it in the name of Jesus. Dear God, I thank you. 
I thank you because so many young girls here are standing strong in you, Lord. No matter what the world says, they decided to follow Christ. No turning back. I thank you, God, for the men here that have decided to be different than the rest of the men in this world. That will say, I will stand with my Lord. I will stand with my King. I don't care who likes it, who doesn't. I have chosen already. I've chosen to follow Christ. God, I thank you because no matter who, no matter what, Lord, you stand above it all. You are above everything. God, I thank you because you're good enough to leave all nets behind and to leave everything behind, God. I want to pray one last thing over this group, Lord, and that is you help us to be always disciples. May this church never lose the strength and power that there is in discipleship. Help us, God, to be able to grow. Give us always, God, a great, incredible harvest of disciple makers, God. That in this church, wisdom will never lack. Confrontation will never lack. Strength and encouragement, prayer, God. Formation will never lack. Vision and visionaries will never lack. God, bring a supply, an unending supply into this ministry, God, of disciple makers, God, who make disciples, who make disciples, God, leader makers, God. I thank you because I know that in this place today, some people are being called. And I will finish like this. If any of you here have never felt called by God, with honesty, right there with your eyes closed, I alone will have my eyes open. I'd love to pray for you. Keep your eyes closed. Every one of you. Every one of you. If you have not yet understood that God has called you. And you may not even know for what. But if you want God to give you that call. Would you please raise your hand. And I'd love to pray for you now. God bless you back there. God bless you here. God bless you here as well. God bless you there. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you guys. God bless you. Right there. Let me pray for you. Keep your hand up for just a second while I pray. Holy Spirit of God, bring a divine vision into these people. May they see the needs of this world more than ever before. God, so many people here have been astray for such a long time for lack of vision. Let your pain be theirs and your joy be, be in their spirit. God, please call them now unto your ministry, to your work, to your fields. I pray now that if anyone here decides to accept the call of Christ to win souls and make disciples, to make the God who loves you so much priority to bring healing, salvation, and restoration to so many people's lives. If you decide to say yes to God right here, right now, then He's choosing you. That is how God chooses people. It is not ability, it is availability. If you raise your hand today, I want to tell you that is a sign that God has called you. That you have a deep desire to follow Him. The Bible says many, many, many are the called. If you are the chosen, the chosen are simply those that say, God, I want to go with you. Time after time again, you'll see it in the Bible. Peter, the same guy I'm telling you now, he did not get chosen because he knew a lot. He got chosen because he let Jesus use his boat. Here's the place and here's the time. You are called to follow Christ, to win souls, to make disciples, to bring healing to a nation that's so broken. I call you now as an ambassador of Christ. I, on behalf of my King, my Lord, my Savior, I call you to the work of the King. I call you now to be the difference maker in your home. I call you now in the name of Jesus Christ to leave sin behind and to be set apart for God. That's called holiness. You're called a holy nation, a royal priesthood, called from darkness to light, that you may announce the virtues of the one who called you. God, I thank you for those that are, have raised their hands today, a call over their lives, that they could never, ever shake and never, ever give up, ruin them for sin, that they could never sin the same way, God, that they can never do things as they used to the same way because they know that they are different people. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Give God a round of applause for us.